We must constantly look at things in a different way. The Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast was created by two physical therapists out of the desire to learn more about the different educational roles in physical therapy and healthcare and how healthcare education works by talking with educational leaders and people with different perspectives within physical therapy and across interdisciplinary lines on how education can be improved to disrupt the status quo of healthcare education. This is our journey and thanks for listening. Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast, as we greatly appreciate your support to help us advance healthcare education. We are very happy to announce that we have created a new tool to help develop clinicians into better experts. With that being said, we have created the HET Light Tool, which LIGHT stands for Learning Integrated Towards Expertise. And what we've done is we've taken our first year's worth of episodes with experts in the fields of healthcare and education, and we've taken one golden nugget or theory on expertise and presented it to you in a very easily consumable format so that people can take one lesson or nugget per week and map out and plan how to incorporate it into your clinical and educational practices. And by the end of the year, we think you'll be pleasantly surprised at how far you've progressed towards becoming an expert. To find out more, please check it out at pteducator.com slash H-E-T, which is also available in our show notes. Thank you again all for your continued support. And now for the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast. I'm your host, F. Scott Field, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host and the conductor of this show, Brandon Pone. Today, we have quite the educator on the show. We're joined by the movement maestro, Dr. C. Shante Cofield. Now, Shante, we've got your bio up on the uh, show links there on the, uh, on the show notes, but could you maybe give us a little intro to yourself and tell us a little bit about you? Sure thing. First things first, thank you so much for having me. I love doing these things. So I was pumped when you reached out. So both of you, thank you very, very much. Um, but uh, a little bit of bio, because uh, you had asked before, the C stands for Carmen. I never go by it because I never went by it. My parents named me Carmen Shante and always wanted me to be called Shante. So I've gone by my middle name and I, I don't know, maybe you share my uh, frustration with that when it comes to certain Yes, yes, very much so. I was uh, named after <laughs> F. Scott Fitzgerald, right? But his first name was Francis. My parents, not wanting to use that, left it as just F, which is cool to turn 16 and everything's first name, middle initial, then it all kind of gets screwed up. (laughs) Is it really? That's actually a much cooler story than mine. (laughs) So mine has a full name, Carmen, but yours is cooler. Um, But a little bit about me, like you said, like you had asked, uh, I went to undergrad at Georgetown, went on to go to PT school at NYU. Uh, in full disclosure, I hated it. I hated PT school, thought that I made the wrong decision. I originally wanted to go to med school and I decided against it. Uh, And so when I was going through PT school, I was like, I made the wrong decision. I finished PT school, graduated, worked for two years, still hated it, but uh, had way too much debt to quit and not use that degree. So I talked to my advisor, took the OCS, kind of just, I just wanted to keep learning, Uh, switched to jobs, ended up at a, a place where I could uh, treat pelvic floor dysfunction, both men and women. And so I got to learn a ton from there. Um, and then fast forward a little bit, basically discovered social media and uh, landed my dream job at Rock Tape. And it's been completely different ever since. 
Yeah, no, that's really interesting, Shante, especially with that kind of a unique storyline there. And, you know, you kind of gave a really good background and kind of what your educational background was. But I'm kind of curious just to kind of give some perspective. What were the reasons why you particularly weren't happy with like PT school and with those other things? I'm just kind of curious to how. It yeah, kind of no, totally. Um, because I had to work very hard in undergrad, right? I was a human science major, health science, they kind of switched it mid, they switched the title midway through uh, pre-med. I had to work really hard. I learned how to study. Like I went into it, learned how to study, but I, I really had to work hard in college. And then I graduated and went to, to PT school and, you know, you get a bit of a mixed bag there. And so there were some people who was their second career, which in hindsight was a, a godsend to have them in the class just for perspective. Um, but I knew how to study and it came easily. And so for me, uh, something coming easily, I was like, uh, I, I made the wrong decision. Like, I think when you're used to working really hard and struggling, when something comes easy, instead of celebrating it, you kind of, are, at least in my case, I was like, oh, I made the wrong decision. And so that, that was, you know, the part of, of PT school. Plus with PT school, I was learning things that I didn't want to learn. And we learn the body, you learn about the body in such a kind of a disjointed manner where it's like, okay, now we're learning cardiovascular, cardiopalm, and now we're doing integumentary, and now we're doing musculoskeletal, and now we're doing, you know, goes down peds and neuro things like that. And I was like, I just want to learn ortho. And they didn't tie it together well, in my opinion. And so you also spend a lot of time not loving what you're learning. Uh, and then moving on to the PT world, you know, I was just really disenchanted by the model of treating a lot of patients in a little bit of time and insurance. And so that was, you know, I, I think it's a story that when I, when I go on these podcasts and I talk to other people, I hear it a lot, actually. Uh, so I know it's not unique in that, uh, that regard. Yeah, no, I mean, that's definitely something that uh, people are coming across more and more these days. But, um, you know, Shante, it was so great to meet you this weekend at CSM for the first time. And it really looked like you guys were absolutely slammed there at the uh, rock yeah. tape display. But um, it, it was great. I was like, you know, you came up and, uh, you know, good thing for name tags, but you have a familiar, recognizable <laughs> face. So I was like, well, this is my dude. Uh, it's, it's always great. Cheeks, I, you know, people just want to squeeze them. Exactly. I was like, you just like want to hug your whole body. I was like, look yeah. at this guy. It's, I think that's the best part about CSM too. I'm glad you brought that up. I think that people go and they, you know, they're excited about the courses and the seminars and like that, but it's networking 101 in the best Absolutely. way possible. Absolutely. So you're basically teaching continuing ed education courses almost completely full time now. Um, and that doesn't just happen overnight. So can you tell our audience a little bit about, you know, how the process you went through in, in getting to the point you're at now? Yeah, totally. I mean, it's going to be different for every company. Um, with Rock Tape, uh, we've also changed the way that we go about it. I, I kind of got in at a very, it was the right time. But I, um, I asked. That's the message that I, I deliver every time I get kind of this similar question. I asked about it. Um, I had a student before then, and he was telling me about all these amazing educational opportunities he had and just all this great stuff that had happened. And I was like, Mark, how did you get these opportunities? And he goes, I asked. And I was like, blown away. So I took the course. Um, I took it with Perry Nicholson. Most people know him, Stop Chasing Pain, my self-appointed mentor. I took it with him. I had uh, become friends with him via social media before them. And then after the course, I basically wrote to him and was like, Perry, this is phenomenal stuff. I love this paradigm. I would love to become an instructor for this one day. What are the steps? And from there, it's you know an interview process and they want to watch you teach and you co-teach and, and 
um, yeah, that's like the, you know, the 10,000 foot view of it. Um, we've since changed it a bit, but depending on the company as it stands for rock tape, it's, you know, you submit a resume. If they're looking for instructors, they pull some resumes, you get interviewed um, just like you would any other job. And then they want to see if you're going to fit the family. That's, that's the best part of my opinion about rock tape is that it's not just another job. It's not like, Oh, are you good at this? It's also, will you fit well within this family that we've created? Um, so first step was asking second step was interviewing. Third step was co-teaching and, and doing all of that. Uh, and now, uh, now here I am, but also because I made it my priority rock tape is and most companies you don't have to teach for them full-time you can do it as much or as little as you want but i discovered very quickly this is my passion so here i am still doing it love it no i absolutely love that shante and you know something that perhaps in general that is not really given probably proper attention in general is you know with any sort of new development or any new task that we're going to that perhaps is different than we've done before it can be very overwhelming and there can be times where there's a lot of struggle, a lot of failure, and really that learning phase really help get improve you get better. And, you know, my question to you is what are some of the struggles that you kind of went through initially from a teaching standpoint early on and kind of what you've learned? So teaching is storytelling. You know, 101, I think Greg Cook is the best at it because he's so good at analogies and he can make things digestible and relatable to so many different learning styles and so many different people. And I think that's one of the things you face first is like, yeah, I can tell this story to myself, but can I tell it to everyone else? Can I tell it to Brandon? Can I tell it to Scott in ways that they will understand it and it will resonate with them? So I think first, you know, from a pure didactic standpoint, it's time management. And you're like, you know, can I get this material across material across in this amount of time? When you're working for a continuing education company like Rock Tape, I didn't create the deck that I'm teaching from. It's our medical director, Steve Capobianco, or Capobianco, he creates the deck and then it's up to me to tell his story, which makes it even more difficult. Because you know, you guys have done PowerPoint presentations before, but you created the PowerPoint. Now imagine, you know, Scott gave you a PowerPoint and now you have to to tell a story from it. So that was one of the initial uh, things that was hard, but with more reps, it, it becomes, it come, becomes second nature and you figure out how you want to tell that. I think that was probably the, the biggest thing was just making sure you have enough ways to tell the story and that you truly own the material because you're going to get questions that are going to make you think, which is also in my opinion, the best part about the class because I learned just as much from teaching, you know, as, as the students do, as the attendees do. So it's like, do you really own this material? Because you're going to get questions about it. And can you provide a sufficient answer if you do know it? You know, and also being able to say, I don't know. Um, but, but what's your ownership and, and how can you convey that story to as many people as possible? Yeah, no, I think that's a really, really important take there. And, you know, and, you know, my next question, Shante, is so, you know, if there are any clinicians out there that are interested in getting into teaching in the CEU world, what are some advice that you would give to them to kind of figure out if this is the right thing for them or how should they go about kind of getting that job? Yeah, a few things. One, don't be a jerk when you ask. I think that I get this question at least one to two times every time I teach and I get it. It's a fun job. It's a fun looking job. Um, from the outside, it may look easy. Um, and it, you know, like it's it's fun. People are like I want to do that. Um, but there's a there's a better way to ask and, and not so better way to ask. Um, 
I think then when people come at it from a position that makes it sound like, oh yeah, I could totally do this. Like how, how can I do it too? Like it's a bit of a smack in the face and you hear the question all the time. So I think it's being humble when you go to ask someone, um, you know, even if it's, whether it's in person or in email afterwards, but definitely ask. I'm not at all trying to discourage people from asking. Just like with anything, you know, be tactful about it. Um, there's also different companies to work for. Like I work for Rock Tape, which I said continuing education company before. I just meant that we provide continuing education courses. There are actually continuing education co- companies like Vine and Summit that you can reach out to um, and even create your own course. So that's another option for certain people. Um, I would, as always, recommend that people reach out to others that are doing it to kind of get some of the background. I think whenever people are trying to change fields or change kind of what they're doing, ask people that are doing it and, and ask for the, what behind the scenes are because then you might find out, oh, actually, that's not what I want to do. Um, but I think those are the, the biggest ones is, one, ask. Two, be tactful about it. Uh, three, remember that there are other options. You can teach for a specific company, whether it's something like Rock Tape or, you know, Huck Rips or whatever it is that you're you know, looking into or like, you know, continuing ed provider company and, you know, ask people who are doing it currently. I think that that also exists where, you know, you know someone and they see that you may be good at it and you can be brought into the teaching realm that way too. Yeah, those are some great pointers, Shante. I think, uh, you know, our audience will definitely get a lot of value from that answer because, uh, you know, we kind of come into education from all points of view here and we try to look at it from a bunch of different levels. And so when you're just getting started and you have no idea, this is a pretty great start, I think, to that, uh, that journey. Yeah. So uh, let's roll our sleeves up a little bit here and get right down to the nitty gritty. What are some of the benefits of teaching and continuing education on almost a full-time basis? Um, flexibility. Number one, flexibility. I mean, I make at this point in time, I'm able to, to really dictate my schedule because I've created this following that now people ask me to come teach at places so I can kind of dictate when and where I go. Um, in the beginning, it wasn't as much, but it was still more flexibility than the traditional PT setting. Two, when you're teaching continuing education as opposed to teaching in traditional academia, you're not limited or bound by the boards. Uh, one of the things that I see, like, I, you know, I, I speak to a lot of to new grads, a lot of students, and they are very upset with the fact that they're not learning the latest and greatest techniques and things within school. And if you start studying for the boards, you'll actually see, at least within the pelvic floor world, uh, that some of the information on the boards is actually objectively wrong because it's just outdated um, because things take time. So in teaching for continuing ed course, you're not limited by that. I tell these students, I'm like, listen, they have to, within the traditional academic world, you have to teach to the boards and make sure that students are going to pass the boards and also just get, provide people with this baseline level of understanding the foundations and the fundamentals. When it's, when it's continuing ed, you're not bound by that. You're bound by whatever you, got, you know, was put forth for the CEU accreditation. But you know, within my courses, I talk about fascia and breathing uh, and the joint-by-joint joint approach and neurology and pain science. And I can talk about all of these things because I'm not limited by, you know, I'm in this curriculum and I have to teach this one thing. So for me, the flexibility both of time and uh, the flexibility of what you're teaching is probably the, the biggest. No, I think those are some absolutely great points there, Shanti. And I think that's, you bring up a lot of good points, especially regarding um, DPT school. And I know when we've talked with a few others on the show, 
there are always there's many that professors that really do mean well and they try yeah. to help but i know that their hands are kind of tied their with that tied. yeah and they're exactly. like how can i find the best balance between getting them prepared for the boards but then also getting them actually prepared for real life and yeah. that's it's and that's, tough, man. It is. No, it, it totally is. And, you know, and on this show, we love to always play devil's advocate here. So, of course, you know, knowing yeah. that we asked what are the pros of it are, you know, you know, I got to ask you, what are some of the cons of kind of working or teaching in the continuing education world? Um, I think that if I was going to say cons, it would be that if you work for a specific company, people think that you're promoting, if they have a product, they think you're promoting it because you work for them. And maybe some people are. Like, you know, I work for Rock Tape and people... I don't encounter many social media trolls, but every now and again, you get one and they're like, yeah, easy for you to say they pay your salary or they, I'm not salary, but they pay you. And one, I just think some men like to watch the world burn, but it's the one thing that you may encounter in my opinion. Like, and in general for me, I think working for a continuing education company is the best thing in the world, depending on the company. But you may encounter some things like that where it's like, I'm just trying to help people with feeling better, moving better, understanding movement and, you know, use whatever product you want, but you can kind of come against that. Like, oh yeah, you think this because you're paid to think that. I think that's probably been the biggest, if any, drawback that I've experienced. No, gotcha. I think that was a good clarification. And, you know, what we were talking about before with kind of about, you know, DBT programs and them being limited by the board, by the boards and kind of the accreditation boards and what they can do. And you kind of mentioned a little bit about this earlier before is kind of how CEUs are accredited mm -hmm. to kind of give some context there to kind of understand more of that realm from the CEU world. How does CEU companies or classes in that go from being accredited? Like, are there certain things they have to meet? Or Yeah, so, I mean, that's above my pay grade. And AKA, I don't like doing that. Um, we have, Rock Tape is a very big company, but I have looked into some of the nuances of, of it. Um, and it's a pain in the butt to do. And you have to submit the syllabus. You have to submit, you know, the goals, the time frame. Um, basically, all the nuances of the course. Um, I'm, I just did something with Vine, and they have to submit like you know resources that go, that can back it up. To be honest, it seems like a lot more paperwork than it is, uh, and time than it is like oh, this is necessarily going to guarantee that this is a good course. Like in full disclosure, I don't think that because it. I, I mean, you've taken courses just because it has CEUs does not guarantee that it's a good course. Usually it's just people were willing to put in the, the, the footwork that they provide references, they've provided the syllabus, they provided the outline, they provided the, you know, it's hour by hour what you're supposed to cover, what, what is going to be covered in that class. Um, and then there's different bodies depending on who you're trying to get it accredited through. It goes state by state. It goes profession by profession. So it's, it can be a, a very big pain in the butt. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that, Shante. We actually joked a little bit on the uh, PT podcast Palooza this weekend about how do we even know, you know, what a good course is anymore? And, and you know, we joked it should have that blue Instagram and Twitter check, you know, to, to <laughs> The verify. official, yeah. Yeah, this course is verified, right? <laughs> That's right. I'm like, which I'm still trying to get. I don't even know how you get that thing. That's just luck I, I of the draw, that I know, I know. check mark. So, so speaking of, this is a perfect transition here, uh, Shante. You have a pretty impressive Instagram following. What tips can you give to clinical practitioners or students if they're looking to grow their social media presence and how important do you think social media presence is in today's day and age in regards to brand building? My number one piece of advice is always the same. Be authentic. Be yourself. I see so much of the same thing on social media over and over and over again because all it is is this person sees this account being successful. I'm going to do exactly that. 
it's one thing to emulate it and be like, all right, I see the success. And that's what, you know, if you do in, in general innovation, like I see that that worked, let me kind of take some of that and make my own style, but be a human and be authentic. Don't put things out because you think people want to read it. Put it out because it speaks to you, because it, it's, you know, it speaks your truth. It's what you're about. I think that people get so caught up with the number that's next to you, your follower name, you know, follower, whatever, the follower part of Instagram that, you know, how many followers does this person have? In reality, the number doesn't matter. If you're trying, because, you know, tying into your question of how important it is in terms of, you know, followership and, and, and just in terms of PT, it depends on what your goals are, but your goals should always have the outcome being measured in terms of quality, not quantity, no matter what it is. You want quality. You want quality followers because if you are trying to monetize it, let's, you know, let's call a spade a spade. If you're trying to do this to monetize it, because you have to pay the bills, I get it. PTs tend to be very altruistic and we have a tough time charging, but uh, you know, likes don't put food on your table. So if you're doing this to, to try and monetize it, you're going to want quality followers, not just you know, 500,000 people who want more free things. Um, so be genuine, be authentic, and create relationships. It's networking. It really is social networking. I think that social media gets a really bad rap and everything could have a downside, but it can also be really, really good. Like, you know, you saw it firsthand this weekend at CSM. I met, you know, for me personally, I met so many people this weekend from social media. And it's incredible the reach that you can have. And it's because you're being, and it's the best way to do it, in my opinion, is by being authentic. Put out what speaks to you, put it out because you believe in it, not because you're like, oh, it's going to get me more likes. At the end of the day, that's not going to get you anyway. Yeah. And I think that's a great point because, you know, one of the things that we have as a benefit uh, being in the world of physical therapy is, you know, time with our patients for the most mm-hmm. part, right? Uh, a lot, we, we have more time than most doctors do, right? Yes. And, and I think more and more as we're moving toward that one-on-one treatment, you know, and, and people are, are craving yes. that and searching for that, the connection that you're making with these individuals, that's really what they're buying. They're not Absolutely. buying the treatment. They're not buying, you know, whatever needles yes. or, 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 you know, hand motion, motions mm-hmm. or movements that you do. They're buying the connection to somebody yes. that they trust, to somebody that they've seen over and over again yes. um, and has been there for them. So absolutely. I think and, you know, a, a great point. When you're trying to, if you're trying to use that to bring patients in, that's not really my goal, but if you're using that to build, to bring patients in, you've already created that relationship. And you know, when you get that buy-in, people want to get better for you. They want to get better. They trust you. You will have better outcomes absolutely. from the jump. Absolutely. It starts off with just that, that trust and that buy-in. Yes. You, you nailed it. You know, I couldn't have said it better. So, so just kind of diving a little bit deeper then, you know, how important is it then for in starting a brand, right? What, mm-hmm. When should you start that? As a student? As, a, as a, a fresh PT? You know, as a seasoned clinician or an expert? Not at all? All of the above? Like what, what do you think brand is doing these days? I mean, to me, it yeah. seems like brand is really just your reputation at this point. It's mm-hmm. become one and the same, you know? Yeah, I would agree. And I would say like my answer for everything, it depends. I think that as you go, you'll figure out your why. You know, I started this originally as the movement mechanic. I wasn't even the movement maestro. And I didn't, I started everything on Facebook just because I kind of wanted to write stuff. And I didn't really even have any kind of intended audience or anything like that. I was just like, this is fun. I like doing it. I think that 
people need to, when they're, if they're, if they're like, I definitely want to do this, kind of figure out a little bit of why, but also just start doing something. I think that people can, you know, the flip side, you play devil's advocate. The flip side is that people can get that analysis paralysis and not do anything. And it's like, just put stuff out, put something out as you go. it will, it will change and funnel itself organically. Um, as for when to start, start when you're excited about it. And I say when you're excited about it because it's another job. If you're going to really commit and your goal is to grow a brand, you have to be consistent. If your goal is just to put information out, then it doesn't really matter as much. But if you are legitimately trying to brand yourself and create something, consistency is king. And you know, I post twice a day and people are like, how much are you on that thing? And I'm like, a lot. It is, you know, the man on top of the mountain didn't fall there. You, it takes a lot of work. Um, so I, I say to people, start whenever you want. It's a great way to network, even if you're just on it to network and you're not trying to put anything out and then you can kind of grow as, as you're going. Um, and then once you kind of figure out your, your, a little bit of your why, you can start honing that in, uh, but, but always remembering that you can always change. I think that people get scared also like, oh, I want to put this brand out and I want this logo. Like, what should it be? You can change that thing at any point in time. Because again, like you said, you're branding yourself. And so if the content's still the same, doesn't matter what the picture on the front is, people will still come back and follow you. Yeah, no, I think those are really, really important points. And I think, at least personally, uh, me and Scott can definitely attest to those last things that you kind of said there in terms of just kind of taking the leap when you're ready and kind of rolling with it and going from there. So I think yeah. that's absolutely huge because, you know, from us personally, I we never, I don't know about you, Scott, but we kind of never thought that this would kind of turn, our podcast would turn into what it has now. And yeah. we wouldn't have done that if we didn't take that leap of faith there. Exactly. Take the leap and if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. You learn from it. If it does work out. You know, one of my favorite sayings is go as far as you can see. And when you get there, you'll see farther. Yeah. And it's true. And isn't the, there, what's the stat that, you know, what was it like 90 to 80% of first time businesses fail, but then yeah. like 80 to 90% of second businesses succeed or something like that. I would not be surprised you learn. Yeah. And it's interesting. And, you know, and interesting. So now that we're kind of talking about the social media aspect here, you know, perhaps for, you know, some listeners out there that perhaps aren't as active on it or they're kind of figuring out how they should use it to kind of start their brand here. What are some of the big social media's do's and don'ts that you feel like people that are looking to start something up or a brand through social media should be aware of? I think the do goes back to what I said. Do be authentic. Do put out what speaks to you. Do, do what makes you happy. That, that's anything in life because this is going to be, it can become a second job and you don't want something that you hate. If you enjoy it, you love it, it'll never feel like work. I, I look forward to doing it. I just got a new microphone today. I was like so pumped about it. I don't save my money anymore. I'm spending on these things, pretending that I'm like Steven Spielberg over here, but it's, <laughs> it's fun. Right? I enjoy it. Um, I would say as for don'ts, number one, don't sink your money into all this expensive gear to start off. No one's paying attention in the beginning. It doesn't matter. Just start putting stuff out. I'm two and a half, three years into it. And now I'm buying, you know, expensive wireless mics and doing more on my DSLR. But I did everything in the beginning on my phone and it's been fine. So I don't think you need to go crazy from the beginning and like, I must spend all this money to have all the good things. Just put out something. Uh, Don't be a copycat. Don't just do what everyone else is doing. I believe the be the blue ball, as Perry would say. Perry puts a picture up of all these red balls, and there's a one blue ball, and obviously there's other you know connotations there. But there's one blue ball, and it's different. Right? Be different. Be, it's okay to be different. Don't just follow, follow the pack. And I would say uh, give credit where credit is due. 
I think I see a lot of stuff on social media of people biting other people's style, if you will, the lingo that the young kids are using, right? And uh, that's not cool. Like, just if you got it from somewhere else, say you got it from somewhere else. And then very much in the same vein, no need to argue. I think that PTs are some of the worst at it. We argue amongst ourselves for Agreed. no reason. Like mm-hmm. we need to spend more time becoming relevant to the public and less time worrying about impressing our peers. That's not your demographic. That's not who you're helping, you know, in, in terms of patient population. And we argue about stuff. There's no point there. Like have discussions. Don't troll people. Have open discussions. Be willing, you know, be open to, to discussions. Uh, but but. The big thing, no arguing. There's no time for that. No, no. I think that's really important. And actually, I'm going to kind of cite Mark Milligan here because when we interviewed him a while back, something that always stuck with me was, adva- was when we asked him about advocacy and how we can get moved forward with that. He's like, "Well, first and foremost, we're never we're not going to advance forward if we can't actually come together forward exactly. and stop the arguing." Exactly. So, and I thought so that was much. so clutch, and it's so true. And you know, and Shanti, to kind of follow up and kind of you know talking about your new equipment and stuff, I'd really like to kind of follow up on your upcoming, your podcast here in terms of, so what's your podcast about? Kind of what was the reason and the vision behind what you're doing? So the podcast doesn't have any formal structure yet. I've recorded maybe three or four episodes and each of them are about five minutes long. It's me talking about my musing that day. It's basically a daily maestroism, but in spoken word. Um, And it came about because I became very good friends with Jimmy McKay. He's a Mr. PT Pinecast. Great, great podcast and just great guy. And we were talking and, you know, he was talking about the oldest form of communication and storytelling and that spoken word with, with, with human connection. And I was like, that's fantastic. I, I, I agree with that. Uh, so for me, it was another platform to reach people uh, and a longer platform. You know, Instagram limits you to one minute and it's very visual. So I can corner that market and enjoy that. But now this is something that's going to be spoken. Um, and my goal overall with everything, you know, because people have been asking, like, what's your, your mantra, your motto, you know, your mission statement? My goal is not clinical related. I, I'm a PT, but that's a kind of a side thing for me. Uh, my goal is to meet and impact as many people as possible in as many ways as possible to help them live their best life and show them that happiness isn't just for you know the rich and famous people. It's for everyone. It's attainable. It's not this far off thing that's like, oh, I can't really have that. Uh, that's, that's my goal, whether it be it through t- movement as we understand as PTs or moving through life, moving through hard times, whatever. That's, that's my goal. And so that's kind of where the the whole podcast thing came from. And so the episodes I've re- recorded so far, basically it's all about the bigger picture. Cause I think that the best therapists are pat- good at really good at pattern recognition and seeing how this looks like that, or that doesn't look like that or what the, how they're all the same, you know, speaking of clinicians arguing, it's, we should all be realizing that we're all doing the same thing, but uh, kind of the podcasts are, have been about things that happen throughout the day that, that strike me. And I, from that, I'm like, Hey, what's the bigger picture here? Uh, what what does this mean? What's the significance of this? How can, how does this relate to some of the themes that I live my life by? Um, and so at some point, it will have people that I'll bring on, uh, things like that. But right now, it's short and sweet. My attention span is short, so it's like five minutes or less. 
Awesome. I'm definitely looking forward to that one. I think uh, voice is definitely a, a platform that uh, is taken over. You know, we uh, obviously we're a little biased here being uh, podcast guys, but we love it. We love it. So speaking of storytelling, Shantae, what are some books you've read or listened to uh, lately that have found that you found helpful uh, or think clinicians, educators, or even business minded people could benefit from? Excellent question. I mean, I get this question a lot from students too. I think the number one book that I recommend to people is The Alchemist. Uh, you can read as many PT books as you want, and I, people ask about breathing books, and I have references for resources for you if, if they want that. But I think the best book that I would recommend to everyone, hands down, is The Alchemist. And not just reading it, but actually going out and putting into play the big takeaway message from it, which I don't really want to reveal. I'm like, go read the book. It's short. You can read it in like, Three Hours is a short book, which I like. Very cool. Very cool. And kind of just for clarity here, who is the author of The Alchemist? I cannot pronounce his last name. I believe it's Paulo Coelho. Exactly. I'm like, I don't want to butcher it. Yeah. We'll put it in the show notes, though, with the links. Very cool. No, very cool. So, you know, Shantae, thanks so much again for coming on this evening to really talk about this stuff because I definitely think this has been a great discussion and some stuff to share. So my first and foremost, thank, thank you. you for that. And, you know, we really, we like to end each episode with this final question to all of our guests because we're always really fascinated to kind of hear what everyone's thought on this. And this is a really big part of our why is, you know, if you could change one aspect of healthcare education, whether that be DBT or other healthcare provider related, which aspect would you change and how would you change it? I think that as it relates to school, it's not what they teach us that is the problem. It's the fact that they don't teach us to question it. So if I could change anything, it would be a more open approach where we are encouraged to question things, obviously in a respectful way, but to take nothing as definite question everything. Always ask why, always ask why. That leads to discussion. It leads to better treatment methods. It leads to us understanding why, why we're doing it. And therefore, hey, maybe I got to apply this a little bit differently. But I think question everything. Yeah, that's a great take, Shante. I think one of the things that uh, we might be a little bit lacking on, uh, and this isn't just in PT school, I think even going back to undergrad, is just critical thinking. Yes. You know, I, Thank I, I don't you. know where we lost that, like why that isn't important. It's gone. But it really, I, I find a lot of DPT students that just lack that skill. Um, and that should fun. not be the case that far along in education. We're dealing with humans. You know, it has to be critical thinking. There's more to it than can you summarize and read RCTs and meta-analysis studies and things like that. Like critical thinking. Exactly. Take a step back and yeah. use a brain. Well, put. well, it's true. And especially as they go out in the real world, I mean, you're going to realize you got to learn that real quick. Yes, real quick. You're like, I did all the SI joint tests. I did all negative, but the pain is here. What do I do? Like, let's take a step back. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, it's true. So Shante, just for if our listeners kind of want to either reach out to you or kind of see kind of what you're up to, where can people find you online and on social media? You can find me online at The Movement Maestro, M-A-E-S-T-R-O dot com that's my website um i have a newsletter you can sign up for on that website um and also instagram is the easiest but i'm also on facebook um, and both of those are going to be at the movement maestro again maestro is m-a-e-s-t-r-o struggle with that one very nice very nice and we will have those links provided in the show notes for everyone who wants to take a look at that so you know again shante thank you so much for your time and always a pleasure yeah thank you guys so very much so very much thank you Thank you for attending class today, and we hope that you learned something and gained value from the content. 
If you'd like to schedule office hours with us, feel free to add us on Twitter at HET Podcast, on Instagram, HET Podcast, on Facebook, the Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast, and the homepage, healthcareeducationtransformationpodcast.com. And for those of you following along in the syllabus, extra credit can be obtained by liking us, sharing us, and leaving a review. Let's continue our journey up Mount Educational Success as lifelong learners.